Well, howdy hoedly, Blankers, and welcome to this latest episode of Not Forty, Just Blank. Um, this part of the show sees us introduce another local legend guest. We are very welcome to Mr. Christopher Ian Nolan. Good evening, sir. Smith. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, do you know what I've done? I've please keep that Oh, do you know what I've done? No, don't do that. Uh, yes, I even no. wrote it. Barry, keep it I've in. even written, look. Don't let him off. Why don't let him off. off. Hey Blankers, and welcome back to the second part of this podcast episode. Do you remember at the end of the last one, we had so much great stuff recorded, we had to break it up? Well, this is the next bloody bit. Enjoy! Well, howdy holy Blankers, and welcome back to the next part of this uh, episode. We're joined, as ever, by a local legend guest, and we have with us a um, local director and filmmaker, Christopher Ian... Not Nolan. Smith! Woo! Good evening, Woo! sir. Woo-hoo-hoo! The camp ghosts are back. <laughs> oh. Well, welcome. Thank you very much for giving up your time and coming to meet us. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure thus far. Um, so, for the benefit of the tape and uh, all of the listeners, can you sort of give us a quick praise of who Chris Smith is? Yeah, so I am a, a local. I'm not going to call myself a local legend. <laughs> we can do that for you, repeatedly. You know, you can Don't do that it. for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely local. I grew up just around the corner from where we're recording right now. And uh, yeah, and I became at some point in my adult life a filmmaker. And um, having worked in sort of music and TV and advertising for a while. And uh, yeah, a few years ago, I made a film about Basildon called Newtown Utopia, which sort of seemed to do surprisingly well for a film about Basildon. And uh, yeah, and that's me really. And I kind of um, focused on developing other film projects and direct TV adverts and things like that to pay the bills. And yeah. It's nice to be back in in Benfleet again. Well, well, welcome back well, to the uh, to the manor. Um, so, whereabouts are you at the moment? Then, in terms of you, have you moved away from the area as well? Yeah, I moved. So, I escaped quite early. Well, I went to university actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny how many people say that when they get out of Benfleet. I, uh, yeah, no, I didn't escape. You I, bastard! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I clawed my way out of the cesspool that we're was. We're still here. <laughs> yeah, we're still here, guys. I did come back. I did come yeah. back for a few years. So, yeah, no, I went to Brighton. It's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, I went to Brighton and studied there at university and then came back for a few years Mm -hmm. and then ended up uh, in London. So I've been in London for about probably 20 years now and uh, started off in East London and now down in Peckham, which is... It's got a lot going on. I see lots of people having fun as I walk back (laughs) (laughs) towards my house. (laughs) Morosely (laughs) trudge back to my... To to cook pasta for my kids. And uh, (laughs) yeah. Is it it still a bit like that, Peckham? So Peckham is very vibey. It's like there's there's a lot going on and there's a lot of young people moving there and all the properties have gone really expensive. Yeah, it's the gentrification. Yeah, you know, it's like it's that. But it's still got a bit of the old... You know that sort of. It's still rough around the edges, yeah. so it's it's quite nice in that way. But there's a weird there's a weird split between the sort of white middle class people mm. and the sort of African and Caribbean communities that have been there since the sort of seventies, eighties, nineties. So, um, but generally, you know, everyone's enjoying themselves and yeah. looks like they're having a good time. 
So, uh, but no, I think if you're going to be anywhere in London at the moment, Peckham's as good a place to be as any. Oh, okay, cool. And is there like a creative scene as well? In there, yeah, there is. I, d- I don't think I'm part of it. Um, <laughs> on the outside looking I think on. there is. Yeah. I see lots of creative looking people. I see lots of people with paint on their clothes. I feel like they've been... <laughs> I need to make friends with yeah, those. Yeah, so either yeah. It's, a, it's a trend that I'm yeah. missing out on, <laughs> yeah, or there's thing. a lot of people that do art and paint. <laughs> Or, or they're just decorating. Or decorate. well, there's a lot of decorators yeah. that all congregate. Yeah, there are, there are wasteful are decorators. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So have you got any plans for any projects in Peckham, uh, Chris? So, no. Uh, yeah, so I did do something recently, actually, about a housing estate called Ledbury, which is um, uh, they're knocking down a few tower blocks and they're rebuilding them and replacing them with other tower blocks because, to everyone's surprise, the residents of this estate were given the option of deciding whether they wanted to live in low rises yeah. or tower blocks again. And they, most of them wanted to live in tower blocks They'll again. They'll vote really? for what they know. So, yeah, so, that, so I made a little project about that for Southwark Council, which was kind yeah. of interesting. They, you know, the views, the reason they did it is because of the views and the security. Right, okay. You know, because if you're 15 stories up, you can leave your windows open. You're unlikely to get burned. You're unlikely to get burned. You're less likely to get burned. Less likely. Never never say never. The percentages are in your favour. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know... Does the milk train still knock about? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not not around old Kent Road. It's mainly drone-based chocolate deliveries now, isn't it? And Lidl's so, one, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever the Lidl's version milk tray is. <laughs> the picture's like totally yeah. the tiff different. Yes. Very little milk in it. And yeah, so... Yeah. He's uh, lost his trade of thought. Though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't even know what I was talking about. This, this what was I talking happen. about? Cat burglars in Peckham. Yeah. The, the latest and project in Ledbury. And then... Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, Ledbury, yeah. Security and views. Yeah, views. They like the views. Okay. They love the views. That's like nice. So... Um, and I can see it. You know, those kind of... Those, those, a lot of those flats that were built in the 60s, they're actually quite big and they've got lots of windows, whereas the flats that are being built now are tiny and yeah. they've got like one tiny window in. So there's a difference. Well, that, yeah. um, um, that's quite a focal point in your film, isn't it, as well, with the, uh, in the Newtown Utopia as well, isn't it, Chris, with the, uh, the massive flats in the middle of Basildon Town Centre as well. Isn't ah, it? Quite... the beauty of Brook House. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, yeah. And I think... I was, I'd like to congratulate, congratulate you on that. I thought it was an amazing film. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. very kind. It, it sort of, it, it went down a, a bit more, uh, it went down a lot better than I expected. Mm. You know, um, I don't, I think the thing is I didn't really expect anything while I was making it. Right. I was just making it. I didn't okay. really have any kind of end game. Yeah. Um, so in the way that this Ledbury one was kind of in partnership with council? That was, it, that, Ledbury was like a paid project. Right. Whereas this was a passion Southwark. thing. And so, you know, there's certain things that I could put in there, certain things I couldn't put in there. Okay. So mm. I treat that, you know, that's a job rather than a yeah. Newtown Utopia, which was a feature doc. So that was much more of an undertaking was, was yeah, it was a passion project, ultimately. That you took know. years. Yeah, to yeah it took me yeah. five years on and off. Wow. Um, <laughs> And you know, some of that's just lot. you walking around Basildon with a camera, I'm guessing. A lot of that was me walking yeah. around Basildon, which I really enjoyed because I would tend to only film on sunny days mm. because any architecture anywhere looks shit on a cloudy day, basically. Yeah, especially sort of concrete based yeah, of the new yeah. towns. Would yeah, very and when you've got, yeah, your brutalist architecture, which is kind of grey, and then you've got the gr- green of the trees and the foliage, you need the blue skies, and that combination mm. is this really beautiful combination of, of colours. And so... It was, I really enjoyed it, and you know, and I'd just wander around, me and a camera a lot of the time, and um, on a sunny day, and I'd meet people, and they'd chat to me, and the kids would come up to me and ask mm. me what I was doing, and they'd want to be in the film, and 
yeah. met loads of really interesting people and some of the people I just met on the street were people that were like oh I know someone that you should speak to and Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so it started off as what was a short film, going to be a, an experimental short film about architecture. Yeah. And then it turned into something much bigger that, about the town and the people and sure. creativity and social history and all sorts of things, really. And um, yeah, but like I say, I didn't really have any expectations when okay. I was making it. I didn't really have any sort of plan. Yeah. At what point did it flip in that case yeah. from being that architecture-based thing to a... Quite early, Quite okay. early, because it's a commitment to make a feature film. You, I, I, even though I hadn't made a feature before, I knew how much work it was. Mm. Mm. You know, to create mm. enough content for uh, 90 minutes or 80 minutes, you yeah. know, you need to tell a compelling story and you need loads of footage and you need to speak to lots of interesting people, especially in a documentary. So, um, yeah, quite early on and it became a commitment and it became a bit of a sort of albatross. Is that the right word? The one hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. Something so around my neck. I'm guessing it's It became probably. a bit of something around my neck anyway. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, but then I sort of, you know, it's like that Churchill quote, when she's sort of, when you're in hell, you've just got to keep going. And I sort of kept going. Yeah, and I came through going. the difficult periods and finished it eventually. Yeah. Mm. Well, and got it out. Yeah, many yeah, times. Yeah. I, was I, you know, I got, I found out we were having a baby halfway through making it. And then it's like, you know, can I really commit this much time yeah, to... Yeah, of course doing that when I need to, we've got to move to a bigger house. And, you know, because I knew, I, the one thing I did know all the time is that it was never really going to make any money. Right. You know, because it was a very niche subject matter. Yeah. And the chances of Netflix buying New Tanytopia were always slim to none. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe there was a chance the BBC might be interested. Mm. But apart from that, I knew that there was no, never really going to be much distribution. Yeah. Or money coming in at the back end, so it was always it was always a passion project. Well, I'm quite surprised by that because there's a lot of I like watching a lot of documentaries, and there's a lot of documentaries like that. It, it seemed like it'd be perfect for something on like even a Sky documentaries or like yeah, a, but they're like usually ones they make themselves. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. BBC will only usually buy things in for like Storyville, right, or okay. you know they don't acquire that right. many documentaries. Okay. They 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 make them themselves, yes. you know, except they don't really so much mm. anymore because BBC Four isn't right. really making docs, yeah. which is a real shame because that was, they were the only kind of TV docs I used to watch, you know, about arts and architecture mm. and history and, and all those things. They're still doing arena on BBC now. Sky Arts is, is interesting now, mm. was less interesting four years ago. Yeah, sure. But they are, you know, they're putting quite a lot of money into, into some interesting arts docs mm. now. And, and in fact, I think probably Sky are the, probably the main... Uh, sort of commissioner of arts documentaries now in the UK. Okay. So, yeah, maybe four years ago they might have been more interested in it. But it's niche. It's also quite London-centric in its own way, even though mm. it's not about London, it's about people from London. Well, it's yeah, not that sort of, sort of the commuting side of things. Yeah. The people coming in from the East End yeah, that, of that, old. Yeah. yeah. generation of people back. coming in, wasn't yeah. it? Exactly. You've got to be so, lucky, haven't you, in again. terms of timing? Mm. with those sorts of things as well. Yeah, yeah, you have. And I mean, I, I, although I, 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 the way I look at it, I got lucky because I got into like 50 cinema screens and we had a proper theatrical release, oh, um, oh. which now, if Newtown's Utopia was coming out, there's yeah. no way it would get to that. I reckon it'd get into five screens and really? it would be a real push because post-COVID, the whole yeah, cinema, cinematic mm. theatrical distribution the approach towards cinematic uh, theatrical distribution has changed completely. Right. 
you know, lots of cinemas are really struggling. Mm. So they can't take risks. Okay. You know, they, you need like 100 people. Someone told me that you need 100 people in a screening mm. to make your money back, basically, really? when you're including all the overheads of running a cinema, basically. Yeah, sure. And Utopia rarely got 100 people. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, it what? played for three yeah. weeks at the Barbican because it was the perfect location for it. Okay. It was sold out a lot mm. of those. Um, but when it's playing in, you know, like a small cinema in Newcastle or whatever, yeah. like there's only so many people yeah, in Newcastle obviously. that are into architecture, what social like history. S- like similar new towns like Milton Keynes. And yeah, it did, we like, did a bit yeah. of a tour and I oh, sort okay. of did a Q&A at those as well. So it is great. But like, like I say, I, I feel lucky yeah. that it came out when it did. I've got yeah, my, my brother-in-law, who's also a good friend of mine, is a documentary filmmaker. He has been making a film for longer and I was making Utopia about uh, a guy in America who um, set up health camps, basically mm. giving free health care to Americans, right. um, who obviously whose health care system isn't mm. free. Mm. So there's a lot of poor Americans that just end up sure. getting ill and dying yeah. and getting rotten teeth and, you know, all these things. And so he runs a charity that the guy that he made a film about was a guy that runs a charity that helps poor Americans. And... Unfortunately for him, he completed his film just at the beginning of COVID. And so when he released his film, it was during lockdowns. And so all the film festivals that were screening it in the US Mm. that now or a year earlier, he would have been flown over, got to do Q&As, got to meet loads of people, all the other filmmakers. He didn't get to do any of that. You know, he was doing Q&As in his bedroom at three in the morning. And so he was robbed of that experience, Mm. you know, and a lot of other Feature filmmakers yeah, were robbed yeah. of that experience right. as well. Um, so I feel lucky that I was in before that, really, yeah, because definitely. I think that, the, and the, the whole kind of the way cinemas work now has, has changed. And obviously, the streamers, Netflix, Amazon, Apple have got so much power now and so much money mm. compared to um, the old school film financiers mm. and distributors. It's that, a bit like uh, Chelsea going, <laughs> Scattergun, just with but purchasing thing isn't it there's so yeah. much purchasing power with those guys they can just throw it out yeah well, and, and the main thing is they fund films outright right you know the old days of financing films was it was like a patchwork quilt of like right we've got this bit of money from there this bit of money from there this mm. bit of money from there yeah. and it's painful you know producing and financing mm. feature films was always painful even you know if you had a big name and or a big cast and a great script it would still be you know lots of sources of finance whereas netflix come in and it's like right Wallet. Yeah, You're what's done. that? Twenty million budget? Yeah, right. we'll just pay for the whole thing. So okay. everything's a lot easier. Yeah. You know, they might have some editorial mm. control. I was say, sure, they have a little bit of sign off and maybe yeah. for certain things. I had a thing that like Netflix got something like they they wouldn't have to buy anything for three years. They've got three years of back catalogue of stuff. They've got ready to go out. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe saying that. Yeah, maybe. It depends on the quality of it. As yeah, well, it's probably not as good, but literally if, yeah. if, if they said, didn't have, if they yeah. couldn't buy anything tomorrow, mm. they've got three years worth of stuff. Yeah, maybe you're saying that in lockdown, they was, they was more than comfortable, weren't they? Yeah. Because they had that back catalogue. It's think, because more and more people are taking their own stuff behind paywalls as well. So eventually they'll lose a lot of the stuff that they've acquired and then it's, just what they've created themselves isn't it? yeah That's i mean i think we've had the peak the i think we've had the peak mm. yeah. and now there's a there's much more of a fight going on for people's eyeballs because yeah. there's more people around and the thing is apple and amazon what they've got is they've got other aspects of people's lives that they can tie their channel into so amazon's got obviously the whole retail empire mm. so amazon prime isn't yeah. just about it's a bundle right. so and apple have got all their technology and Absolutely. which is in everyone's hands and pockets and so i think they will probably 
I think ultimately I feel like Apple and Amazon will come out the winners of this right. streaming wars. And some, I reckon someone will buy Netflix. The, Microsoft, that's, that's, I don't know that's, who. That's the talking around. Disney or I don't know, stuff, someone yeah. will buy Netflix because yeah. Netflix has only that's got all the got, content. Yeah. You know, and there's so much churn of content. People are getting through stuff so quickly. Absolutely, mm. yeah. That it, yeah. I, at some point it feels to me anyway that it's going to become unsustainable for them to keep spending as much as they are on. Yeah, yeah you do find that with Netflix though, don't you? Mm. At one point when you first got it, it was, oh, this is amazing. And then you six months later, you're, you're running out that's, of stuff that's to watch. the it's first one like, that people drop, uh, isn't it? Because it's like, yeah. that's all it is. It's just, as you say, yeah. streaming. It's just yeah. that yeah. love film. Yeah. DVD rental yeah, place. That's what it was, was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, but, it's, it's, but it's big. been like it's, it's been a quite a house. If you're into, if you're a, if you work in high end TV, you know it's been a it's been a good <laughs> period. It's been a great period the last few yeah. years. Like all the studios around London are packed. Everyone, you know, all the good talent, all the heads of department, all the crew members are booked up. You know, it's really difficult to to get people and find yeah. talent. There's a massive shortage of like of actors as well because there's so much being made in the UK and in, especially in London and around London. So it's it's been a really great a period in some ways yeah. um, and a really good time to be making those kind of TV shows. And so it'll be interesting to see whether it, that how long that carries on for. Say, and, you know, that carries for, on. Yeah. yeah. And with your film, Return yeah. Utopia, you said about it being a short originally. I'm guessing... It's when you probably met the characters that you decided to, because they would they make the story more interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, documentary is all about the the characters and their stories and and the kind of emotions that their stories and their lives bring mm. to a film. Really, um, even though Newtown Topia was about a place, it's not about the place. It's yeah, because the talking the people, heads. Are sort of, that's the, the it's when you yeah. when you're hearing their personal stories and it's, it's, like, yeah. it's quite it's really yeah. interesting isn't it it's yeah just... and you're exactly right it was it was when on meeting a couple of pe- people in particular and I just thought I you know I spent maybe a day with them or mm. even just a, a beer or a lunch or whatever and I just thought I want to spend more time with you you know and I want to talk to you in more detail about these things and I think some of the stuff you've got to say is funny and weird and yeah. you know and tragic and all these things and yeah, that was really the catalyst for for just deciding to spend, mm. seeing that there's a story there, seeing that there's, and a story that resonated with me. And I guess mm. me as someone who sort of came from this, you know, I didn't grow up in Basildon, but I grew up in Benfleet, which is next door. And, you know, I used to go there a lot as a kid and um, I didn't really notice this until afterwards. I was chatting to a friend a couple of years after I'd made the film. She went, yeah, but that film's just about you, isn't it really? I went, no, 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 it's about all these, it's about all those guys who are older than me. And she said, no, it's about you because they're all just kind of you, but a bit older. They're all people that just grew up in that part of the world, you know, and, but decided on a creative life, you know, and I was like, yeah, I guess that bit is true. I think that some of the, some of the, some of the people in that film faced a lot more struggle and strife and difficulty than I did in my life to, to do the things I, I sort of grew up in in a fairly kind of, comfortable middle class and supportive household that allowed me to go off and do the sort of stupid creative things that I want to do um I think some of those people had to battle for it a lot more and and continue to do so but yeah I think ultimately it was finding realizing that there was a story that I really wanted to tell and that I was passionate about and it was through the people you know mm. the various kind of so got, characters 
I was going to say, you've got some like, really good names in there as well. You've got like, Jim Broadbent as well. How did that come about? Chris? I just I sent an email to his really? agent. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... It was, was, he he, the, he, was he the voice you had in your head or was it kind of a... a, a you don't want to say in case he's listening, Jim, much respect. Yeah. Did you approach a few and he came back or was it... No, you always he was wanted the first and... person. I think I approached two people at the same time. Yeah. You know... Um, I tend to be like quite a pessimist around when you're when around things like that. So I'll assume that you're going to get rejected by everyone. So I, I'll never do the thing where it's like oh, I'm going to wait to see if so and so gets yeah. back to me because then because then you'll be like six months a year down the line and you'll Absolutely. just be sitting by a phone or whatever. Yeah. So I think I sent a, sent it to Mark Rylance. Okay. Yeah. And Jim Broadbent, who were two of my favourite actors. Mm. Um, and Mark Rylance, I got a very pleasant email back a note from him, I think via his agent that was, I think he was just very busy. He was shooting like, a, I think he was shooting Steven Spielberg film somewhere. And I was like, that's fair enough. That's you know, yeah. And then Jim Bullbent was up for it. And so, you know, because ultimately yeah. voiceover, the great thing about voiceover is it's a couple of hours in a studio. Absolutely. So yeah. it's not like you've got to fly them over to some, some yeah. somewhere for three weeks and, you know, pay for their hotels and all that. I just had to pay for the studio time and and pay for him and I, and yeah, so it was as, it was as simple as that's that. Simple, you know. Right. And I'm sure that yeah. he made a call and was into the project because yeah, yeah, he's not just going to do it no, for no, no reason. Sign up to everything, anything, but um, yeah. you know. And he was a lovely guy, and I hung out with him for a couple of hours, and then that yeah. was it. Were they the actual know? speeches that were used from? Like, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was nothing. Um, yeah, it was all extracts from oh, okay. actual speeches that were used, cool. and uh, yeah. And how much so, is on the cutting room floor? Yeah, five oh, years of filming. I bet you got. There's a lot. lot. Yeah, there's a lot of the interviews. Yeah, a lot of the interviews, yeah. and then even a lot of the stuff that I shot are just of the places that I just didn't deem was good enough. Right, okay. You know, because ultimately I, I went into the film. I wasn't really a, a DP, a, a camera operator. I knew how to use a camera, so there's a lot of things that I would have shot in a certain way, and then I'd bring it into the edit, and then would be like, actually, I wish I could, and and the. I guess the blessing and the curse of making a film about somewhere that's only an hour's drive away <laughs> is that you can always whip back. You can, I know. So the amount yeah. of times I'd just be like, right, I'm going to go back and shoot that building in a different way. <laughs> right. And then I'm going to, and so that happened quite a lot. Yeah, so yeah, it, it was, it was, I did reshoots, you know, and there's right, not many people okay. that get to do reshoots on a documentary, but yeah. because it was so local and because I was doing it myself, I yes. could do it because I didn't have to pay anyone. Right, I didn't have okay. to, you know, it was just the cost of petrol yeah, um, to do it. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot on the cutting room floor and there's a, there's a lot of really interesting chat with the contributors and the interviewees that, that didn't make it and not because mm. it wasn't interesting, but it, it, because ultimately with a documentary, you've still got to find a story, that, that yeah. a story thread that runs yeah. through it. Yeah. And so a lot of things just fall by the wayside. And also, if there's repetition in the, what things that people are saying, you've got to pick the person you want to say that at yeah, a certain yeah, time. Yeah, presumably, all about one place. There's a lot of similar yeah, comments. And yeah, and, 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 and a, lot so of the, a lot of the contributors of the film were of a similar age as well. A lot of them were of that generation, sort of post-war, were kind of kids in the early new town. So they have been linked to Depeche Mode and stuff like that? So they all went to like a couple of schools. Yeah. There was Vince Clark, who, was, who became Erasure, but was part of um, Yazoo, <coughs> Yazoo. Yeah. Yeah. Moye. And then there was Depeche Mode, and then all the and Rob Marlowe, and they were yeah. all they all knew each other. They all hung out in the same. They all hung out at the Towngate Centre, the old Towngate yeah. Centre. Yeah. They were all part of the same group, and so there's that real kind of 
there was a scene for a little yeah. while, you know, a synth pop scene that came out of Basildon. Was you close to getting Alison Moyet or... Um, I was in the, touch with her, but yeah. I, it never happened for no. whatever reason. Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, we were in touch. I think she befriended me on Facebook, but yeah, we were, we were in touch. But yeah, for whatever reason, I don't think she lives in the area now. Mm. But yeah, it never happened. So I did try. Um, yeah, I didn't really even try with the Depeche Mode guys because no. just, they just felt so untouchable. Mm. And also, you know, I think the film... In its own way, is about the people that didn't yeah, end up yeah, just yeah, moving to LA, yeah, so and and is probably better for that. Mm. You yeah, know, I think, it, yeah, you don't want to take the limelight off. No, no, they've, got, they've, got, they've had enough of their share. They definitely, they definitely yeah. have, <laughs> yeah. and was, um, and you know, and and well done to them. And I may have, mm. might have sold it to Netflix if I'd have got Depeche Mode. <laughs> I was going to say yeah, but, but then you it know, it would have been a different film, doesn't it? With a little bit of extra, I love the I love the journey it took us on and. Like, yeah. And it's uplifting in the end, isn't it? Well, I found it. I just smiled my way through it because yeah. I am a Basildon boy. Well, so that's like, that's I, I, I literally was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that bit. And then I literally saw the, the road across from where I, I did live, first of all. I was like, ah, it's a lovely little touch. So that took me on a bit proper nostalgia trip. Nice. It was nice. Yeah. Really, really good film, though. Mm. And it was the little touches like some days, like I said, in the. Um, in the film, it's like on a summer, summer's day, it looks kind of like in a sci-fi film, and it did. Yeah. On, a, yeah. on a grey day, a grey day mundane. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which again that's was what you said, up on, yeah. yeah, what you said at that beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you yeah. filmed it on the sunny days yeah. to make it. Yeah, uh, and I the, think that goes for everywhere, though. Yeah. I was out filming something else the other day, and I was like, you know what? Everywhere looks shit when it's cloudy in this country. Mm-hmm. It's just not designed for it. No. Yeah. You know, and it's... You know, and when the sun's out, especially architecture, when you film it, you've got shadows that just give everything a shape that they haven't got on a cloudy, flat day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's just textureless, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's just all... And I think that's probably like a lot of British TV. When you think of like, I don't know, whenever I think of like ITV Dower. police shows, <laughs> they've all, it's like they never seem to film them in the sun. It's yeah, like they always seem like they've got that kind of flat, heavy yeah, cloudy yeah, day in yeah. which may be intentional as well. Taggart's another one, isn't it? I think it makes <laughs> me, <laughs> yeah, I just, feel like I, I just feel like I don't want to watch yeah. them for that reason. Yeah, it just brings you, know, you down immediately, doesn't um, it? Even with a happy ending, it's still... Which is why Hollywood yeah. was like, oh, became the epicentre of filmmaking because they didn't you didn't have to light it everything was filmed outside in the old days you Mm. needed all those hours of daylight to be able to film and for it to look good you know that's why it all happened in la rather than elsewhere so basildon yeah (laughs) well they go for the sign they went for the sign we did go for the sign god (laughs) bless that bloody sign i don't think they've still got it um are they not plugged in yet no it was meant to be but i think they cost them extra so they ran out of money again there you go Uh, (laughs) so what's we got coming up Anything? Yeah. Anything interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Red- wow. Red- you could have left the question at, so what have you got coming yeah, yeah. up? What you went was, so, anything? Anything interesting? Anything? Oh, just a load of old shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a, yeah, I'm making a film about South End. Oh. Uh, no. Rossi's, Rossi's ice cream. Yeah. Screaming for it. Yeah, I'd like to make a film about Rossi's. A short film. Yeah. Yeah, God, no, like, to be fair though, yeah. getting getting even with the sun out in South End High Street, I think that'd be hard to make look good. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to South End High Street for a long time, but I don't imagine it's changed. <laughs> oh, I saw. Yeah. Um, 
Someone told me a rumour about Rossi's ice cream. Uh, who's the lead singer at Status Quo? Is it Fran- Francis Rossi? Francis Rossi. Yeah. yeah, it's apparently it's related. I was like, okay, cheers. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're all related. Yeah, yeah cool. Well, we are all related. All you know, yeah. I've got that living DNA thing. We're all related. Yeah. We all come from the same tribe. So I'm pretty oh. sure Francis Rossi, Rossi is related to the Rossi. Oh, are we going yeah. that deep? I thought it was are we part- going there? I think we are. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think yeah, that's yeah that's we're all related. Level. It's definitely part flake. Listen, so, cuz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just no, popping around for Christmas dinner you, oh. you and Francis Rossi sitting there what's going on what's well going we're on? all related we're all related yeah, what yeah, if yeah. our kids aren't meant to have two eyes I thought you might come out with yeah, ponies what, what on web pans <laughs> yeah it's like what if they're not like, that's the look yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. anyway um, so, like so <laughs> back, <laughs> back to your back to your upcoming oh, yeah. uh, projects yeah, sorry, so I, um, <laughs> flight of fancy oh yeah exciting projects coming up yeah I mean I I sort of had a couple of documentaries that I very nearly got made that didn't get made after New Utopia. So I, I've sort of taken a bit of a breather from from documentaries. I'm quite focused on like uh, uh, scripted stuff. So like fiction, I'm into genre, I'm into horror, I'm into sort of sci-fi. So yeah, just kind of relatively early stages of a few things. I've got a kind of dystopian horror about an Amazon delivery driver say again amazon delivery driver (laughs) who um it's sort of the day in the life of his round and he discovers some weird fucked up stuff going on and things get darker and darker and that's a bit of an allegory about you know the gig economy and the treatment of zero hours workers and and all of those things so that's been sort of bubbling under for a while then i've got to write a new draft of that and then um, I had a TV series that got pitched out and got optioned, um, but never got made. And that was a kind of anthology, horror anthology series set in the UK. And so I think the pilot script that I wrote for that, which was about uh, set in a seaside town, which may or may not be South End, <laughs> um, <laughs> probably Margate, I don't know, could be anywhere, uh, about a mum that becomes convinced that her son has been possessed by the evil spirit of an old ice cream seller. Francis Rossi. Yeah. Francis yeah. Rossi. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. I think we've got the perfect uh, yeah. yeah. Perfect so, casting. Um, yeah, the soundtrack got... by status quo. Oh yeah. yes. Probably, you can... won't do that now. <laughs> but, um, you kill him by you know. stabbing them through the heart with a 99 flake. Oh, you're ruining it. I mean it, like, have you read it? Did someone get a bootleg copy of the screenplay? Them. I don't know. So um so cool. that's that's kind of written and, and will be being punted out there and, and trying oh, to get cool. made. It's like, you know, as as we were talking about Netflix earlier, it's 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 a difficult time for kind of independent cinema mm. really, because there's less films getting made, but loads of series. Okay. So um, it probably makes more sense as a writer to be focusing on writing a series or mm. developing a series idea than it does right. feature films. Feature, yeah. But there is still there is still there are still people making like kind of low budget horrors mm. and things. So I think I'm quite interested in that space and yeah. try and sort of if it's about raising two hundred grand or five hundred yeah. grand, you know. How? It feels kind of realistic, even okay. if it takes a couple of years to do it. So. I was going to say, how gutting does it feel to get it as close as you obviously come close with this like series, isn't it? So yeah. dealing with people, would you have to? How do you how do you stay sort of focused? When I'm pretty thick skin. You just roll so. on to yeah, the next thing. If you don't roll on to the next yeah. thing, then you're gonna you're gonna, gonna die yeah. crying basically. Right, okay, yeah. I think you know making films is it's one. I've worked in a couple of industries, right? Mm. I worked in sort of. TV and music and advertising and film is 
so much more unforgiving and so much more difficult to be successful at Mm. and to work your way in like so much yeah you know it it just doesn't even compare so bear i think anyone that's a filmmaker you need to bear that in mind and so if you see every rejection as a failure then you're going to be in trouble you're never going to get yeah, you want to get right. Because okay. surely it's just very subjective, isn't it? It's some, that one person's opinion yeah, of, of what is. that is at the time, and yes or no, and it's very cut and dry. And they've got hundreds of things coming in, so it's like, yep, yeah, no, yep, yeah, they're very. Do you, yeah, it, it is. But at the same time, if I look back at the, the very, you know, some of the rejections I've had over the years, or some of the th- projects that nearly got made and they get made. When I look back now, I kind of look at them, I think, you know what, I can see why that didn't get made. Or I can see, you oh, know, okay. I think it's better to look mm. back and, and, and think like that than be yeah. like, oh, if that would have changed my life, yeah. if that, you know, yeah, yeah. if that had have happened, yeah, oh, you know, we yeah, had yeah. that actor lined up and everything would have been different. Yeah. I, you're going to, it's not going to be healthy wow. to do that. So yeah. I think as long as you're thick skinned, you know, it's fine. Yeah. The terminology you know, of the film industry is he's, he's breaking into, isn't it? And yeah. that, that in itself is such a weird phrase, isn't it? You hear people go, when did you break into the film industry? Yeah. It's like, what a weird, like, that you have to break into it. You don't get yes. it on any other lines. Yeah. It's yeah. so closed off. Yeah. yeah. You have to and it's right as well. Into you the do, film industry. You know, there's the, there's the odd person that might luck into it, mm. but pretty much everyone else has worked their nuts off mm. to get into it. You know, and even, you know, you get like directors every now and again, you'll get a prodigy like Quentin Tarantino or uh, the French guy, Xavier Dolan, who will like make a film that's amazing when they're 23. Mm. There are not many people like Mm. that, you know, Um, even like Steven Spielberg was shooting Super 8 films when he was like eight years old. You know, Mm. he so by the time he got to film school. He'd been making films yeah. for 10 years, you know, albeit yeah. in a very amateurish way or whatever. Absolutely. You know, so like, you've got to work really hard. You make there's your own so marks, many moving stuff. parts. Mm. Like to, to direct a film, you've got to understand, really, you've got to know how to work with actors and, and with camera and with lighting. And you need the rudimentary knowledge of all of those things. But you also need to know how to manage a team of people mm. who are in really stressful environment over a sustained period of time to do what you want them to do. And, you know, and as a 20-year-old, I don't think I'd have been very good at no. doing that. It's a very good um, strategy, yeah. As a, as a 40-odd-year-old now, I think I'm a lot better at it than I would have been then anyway. It doesn't mean I haven't got things to learn and, and all that. So I think that's I think that's the other good thing about it is that, and when I go to, like, film festivals and film events, most of the people are kind of my age. You know, it's not like it's full of 20-year-olds mm. yeah, and yeah, I yeah. feel like yeah, some old bastard, you yeah. know. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I'm in the right place. Because it just takes time to be a good screenwriter. It takes mm. time to be a good director. It takes time to be a good producer. It takes time. It takes a lot of failures and missteps and, you know, yeah. and a bit of luck and all these things. So it's it's a difficult industry to get into, but it's it, when it works, it, it can be great, you know. But I think the other thing, like I say, the, the challenge now is that the whole industry is changing. So, and, and a lot of the talent, a lot of, a lot of the talented writers, directors, crew, they've all just shifted to TV. Um, which is for a lot of people is not what they got into it for. Mm. A lot of these, a lot of people got into it because they love movies and they love films and and so TV is it is different and it does feel like a lot of things are getting stretched out in a way that they don't need to be stretched out. So I'm hoping that there'll be a bit of a leveling out and that they'll, they'll the streamers will kind of begin to understand that you don't need to make everything ten episodes or yeah. twenty episodes and that we'll see more like limited series or films or limited two-part, three-part series, and it's like, actually, this story only needs to be three parts. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Make make three banging hours rather than yeah. say stretching yeah. out. But the only eight. thing that's going to change that is the audience dropping off because they're looking at the data, right? So they're, the only thing that's going to change that is not going to be subjective. It's going to be purely based on yeah. oh shit, our audiences are dropping off at episode three of all of our series. Maybe we should rethink things. So, but we'll see. Hmm. Let's see. But I don't know. I don't know what the, I can't remember what the question was, but it definitely wasn't about. I tell you what the beauty is. Sometimes nah. we forget yeah. as well. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it sounded like a good answer to something. Yeah. yeah. We'll take it. I right, say, so Chris, um, obviously, we've spoken an awful lot about um, projects and so on and so forth. Is there a place that people can go and find these things? Have you got a website? What's the What's the deal with your, your output? Uh, yeah. So I've got a website which is uh, www.citizensmith.net. Um, which just has some film and photography work, really. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm, some short I, films on there as well. I'm on, there's, there's a couple of my short films on there. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it anymore because I dislike Elon Musk, and I <laughs> didn't really like Twitter anyway. I found it to be quite a horrible experience, but used to use it kind of because you felt like you had to <laughs> to get things out there and then i got some photography on instagram as well which is at ci smith okay so citizensmith.net that's right that's the website perfect we'll go and check oh. it out because we've i think between us we've watched everything that you've churned out and it's um, mm. it's really good stuff it's yeah. it's it makes you proud to be a benfleet boy Oh, thank you very much. But, uh, yeah, for the, so obviously we're going to strand you on the island a little bit later on. we're going to ask you about film we're going to ask you about music um, but for now uh, gentlemen, help me thank you. Mm. Chris Smith. Ooh. Okay, welcome back to the next part of the podcast. And we're here with special guest Chris Smith. And we are about to strand you, Mr. Smith, on Desert Island Dicks. Um, obviously, this is our legendary, mythical, whatever you want to call it, island that bears no relation to Radio 2's um, island of similar name. But we're going to shipwreck you and we're going to probe you. Are you ready? I'm ready for both, yeah. Can we do the probing after the shipwreck, please? <laughs> we'll ease you in. It's the least we can do. I mean, we don't want to get sand everywhere. It can grate terribly. Okay, so your start of a 10 um, with the island is um, what noughties or 90s will give you the option, um, Richard or Dick, would you like to be shipwrecked with? All right, so I, I found this a difficult one um, in many ways. I initially started off with Richard Hammond because I thought I could use him as just a manservant. <laughs> and oh, okay. as long as he didn't talk yeah. he could you know, oh, he could make me some vegan pina coladas I know he'd really dislike making vegan pina coladas That's he'd so probably true. have a real problem yeah, with that yeah. so I thought that would be good and uh, I don't think I'd want him to touch me or give me back rubs or anything like that but just to have him there yeah. um, but then I didn't want to give him publicity so we should probably just cut that whole section <laughs> and yeah. I thought we'll, we'll well, what about and then I thought Aphex Twin he's called Richard D. James I love Aphex Twin but I think he's probably a bit moody I don't know I love his music. I'm not sure yeah, he'd be great company, you know, <laughs> and maybe if I had a hangover from all the vegan pina coladas, he, that kind of music might not be right at like eight in the morning. And there's probably no electricity either. So I can see you. I can see you thinking. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be, it'd be it would just be, be Apex Twin banging on a, banging on a rock <laughs> yeah, yeah, instead. So I'm not sure that's going to work. Coconut. So I, I settled on and, and it came to me as I was driving down, actually, I thought Rick Mail because he's Richard. Oh, he's got to be Richard. Oh, yes. So, and even though it's not 80s yeah. Rick Mail, I think noughties Rick Mail is More better than, than probably any other Richard, yeah, even yeah. in the noughties. So, 
it would be him. I can't even think of what he was making then. It's Maybe sure. Bottom was still going Guess or not? Paradise, I think they knocked out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Bottom was probably 90s, of, wasn't it? Lines, so, yeah. 90s, tours yeah. and stuff. Um, but, you know, mm. I, a massive, massive part of my life, Rick Mel. And so I, I would, and I'm sure he would be a lot of fun to hang around with, would have been a lot of fun to hang around with. Yeah, absolutely. In lots of different ways. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's my Richard on the island. That is nice. a great shout. Do you reckon he's pretty much similar to how he is on screen or do you reckon he's a bit more... I think so. I've watched quite a lot of like documentaries and, you know, things about comic strip and young ones and it just seems like everyone, the way everyone talks about him and when you see him interviewed, he's that guy, you know, he just looks like someone who was full of energy and ideas and, yeah, you know, so, um, yeah, I think... Wouldn't be a dull moment. No, no absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, um, you know, and, and there's not many people, you know, as we get older, you kind of a lot of your sort of the people that you were part of your life kind of pass away. Mm. And uh, most of them, for me, it doesn't really have much impact because I, I don't know. I feel like if I don't know someone, it's mm. not really that big a deal. Yeah, you know, it's obviously yeah. sad mm. and it's sad for the people that do know them. But for me, I'm not going to spend a weekend morning someone yes. who I never even met but you know I think occasionally it happens and, you, and it does really affect you and I think when Rick Mail died I, I really felt mm. that you know yeah, and, yeah. It, and it affected me in a way probably only him and David Bowie are probably the two people that it sort of affected me most I think um, yeah so uh, and I think his, his from young ones to comic strip to bottom to new statesman yeah, new you know, forget, forget yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 Perfect, great answer. No quibble with that whatsoever. Good start. Um, let's move on then. So you and Rick, you're on the islands, um, chilling down. Vegan margaritas being made by yourselves, as opposed to anyone else. Um, what music's going on in the background with your Naughties album? What's the one album that you couldn't live without or you could tolerate the most, perhaps? So I think it's probably... I'm going to pick Discovery by Daft Punk. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is it about that that just I think Daft Punk were a bit of a soundtrack to my life, and that era for me, the noughties was when I was sort of DJing, I was in that kind of scene a little bit. I used to go out a lot clubbing, and it was always you know electronic music, electro clash, techno, house, and that I think just if we're going to come up with a soundtrack for that period of mm. my life, it would be, and Daft Punk's as, as good a band and as, as good an album yeah. as any, which has got some absolute crackers on it. And um, I think I saw them a couple of times live. I saw them at like, v, not V, I saw them in Leeds actually, at whatever Leeds and Reading it used to be. Yeah, didn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. I saw them in Leeds and it was amazing. And um saw them somewhere else as well. And uh yeah, I think that Daft Punk are real kind of, they're like pretty iconic. Like, you know, a lot of, especially dance acts, mm. you know, they might have had good singles, but I think Daft Punk and probably Chemical Brothers and... 
Sort of you know, a couple of other work. people. Yeah. There's not many of them who sort of lasted yeah. and, and made great albums mm. as well for a sustained yeah. period of time or throughout their kind of careers. And I think they, they really did. Is that the album with like Catastrophe on and that? Or is that... Is that- that's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. I didn't realise you were going to go no, into the details. <laughs> uh, Normally we don't. It's because he's, no, he's, yeah. he's gone rogue. Right. Dale's gone rogue. Right. Right. Oh. Stay in your cage, man. <laughs> Stay in your lane, Rich. <laughs> panic, panic not. We can always circle so, back yeah, to see if there's an answer it, yeah. to that. But um, so. it's, a, it's a fair shout. And uh, one I think we can all buy into. Mm-hmm. A bit of Daft Punk. Nice. We like that. So if you and Mr. Mail have listened to that over dinner... Yeah. Uh, and you've had a lovely, lovely coconut stroganoff. Yeah. Um, what film would you settle down to watch the pair of you um, underneath the stars on this island? There's one yeah. naughty's movie that stands out. Okay, so um, I think I'd probably have to pick Dark Knight. Nice. Which was 2008. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I tend to like veer towards, on a personal level, I tend to veer towards probably more, like less, I'm not really into action movies. I'm not really into superhero movies. Mm. That, Actually, that had more to it, though, didn't it? That it definitely had more to it. And I think it mm. just it balanced those all of those elements in being an adult film and being about superheroes and Batman, who's probably one of the more interesting superheroes, and, just, and being an amazing action movie, you yeah. know, um, that didn't rely on just sort of pure... All of the violence in that was... Mm. It was not justified, but it was justified through character, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, you know, you watch kind of like a Netflix film with someone good looking in and they're just <laughs> shooting people. Yeah. And I'm not into it. It's, I find them too noisy, to be honest, nowadays. Um, and so, but Dark Knight, I, for me, it was like a pinnacle, really. Um, and just so many scenes in it were just absolutely amazing and worked as such compelling scenes. Yeah that you could pick them out individually and they'd just have a huge kind of visceral impact on you just watching them now, you know. And there's not many films that you can do that. I think Kubrick was good at doing mm. that, you know, and you, I think with his some of his films you could, you could sort of dissect them in that way. But I think it just... And I think for, for better or worse, I think it probably... Dark Knight is probably responsible for the amount of... the incredible amount of superhero movies yes. that yeah. we're Un- getting. Because it, it showed yeah. that... It showed that they could be incredibly successful. As but well it's still as one. Being... It's still one of the original ones, as in not as in the original ones, but as in idea, because it was it yeah. wasn't just a beat 'em up, shoot 'em up. People, it had texture and layers to it, didn't it? So many. Yeah, yeah, and it and it also treated it also treated Batman in in a, like it was kind of original in its own way as well. It did some different things. Yeah, you know, it really grounded Batman in a in a world that felt like our world you know it might have been Gotham City but it was shot in Chicago and it looked like Chicago or across between Chicago and New York Mm. and um you know it felt like a real world and it felt like the stakes were real and obviously Heath Ledger's Joker was was incredible and the way it dealt with Two-Face was kind of quite it wasn't fantastical it wasn't stupid it was like this this could happen if all these weird people decided, (laughs) if this rich guy decided to actually train himself up to be a vigilante and spend all his money on like making these things, this is what it would be. be, And it could be, there there could be an Um, argument actually Two-Face is probably the hero in that film. Yeah. 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 And I think that's kind of where they went with the the sort of sequel, which didn't work as well, but was that like what happened with Mm. Two-Face, they're kind of led into that, you know, with sort of Batman as the, 
um, as the sort of darkness. Is that the one um, with Bane that you're talking about? Yeah, that came afterwards. But, you know, I think, I think it just, <laughs> as a cinema experience, there's not many films that I, I go to see more than once. I think when I was younger, I went to see Trainspotting three times and Pulp Fiction three times. Okay. And they really stick out. And then the only, I, I'm sure I probably have done it, but the only other films I can think that I've seen more than once at cinema, I think is Dark Knight, and I went to see it twice. So, you know, because I love, I love films, right. but I yeah. just, you know, mm. I don't, I've never been one of those people that will go back and watch something, you know, yeah. like 10 times or whatever. Mm. Um, it's for like that you reason, and Molly and me, Phil, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Continually. I love crying. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You> love, crying. <laughs> love weeping in public uh, <laughs> over dead dogs. It's a great shout so out film. I still haven't seen Molly and me. So, I mean, if I had, maybe it would have made my... <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it was a tough t- t- Yeah, a real real 50-50 toss-up. Who knows? Who knows what way the coin comes down next time? Okay, it's a great shout, though. Let's get slightly more... Obscure, and we're going to ask you um, a bit of a fashionista during the noughties, or um... yeah, very much so. Well, this is going to be one hell of yeah, a question. I was, then. Yeah, yeah, I look like a bit of an idiot, probably for most of it. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was there a particular outfit that uh, would would really be your? So your I think I, I used to rock a combo. I, a, I had I grew a mullet that was on one side, so I had oh, the asymmetric. It was, it was like a Star Wars haircut that came down. <laughs> I grew and it came down to here. And, and the good thing was I had my passport photo taken like it. So oh, it thank was God, it's only kind of frozen years. in time for 10 years. It's gone now, that passport. Yeah. I'm too old. But yeah. for 10 years, I had this ridiculous, awful, Beautiful. lopsided mullet. When I had hair, I haven't got hair anymore, which is, which is very sad. And, um, but when I did have it, I made the most of it and looked like an idiot. And uh, I used to rock that with a biker jacket as well. And I've never, I've no, I don't think I've ever even sat on a motorbike, let alone <laughs> ridden one. And I remember I, um, I went out for a night in Southend and I ended up, we ended up with some, some let's say some, some, some characters that had a bit of a reputation from the area. Okay. And uh, quite scary characters. And um, well, I got chatting to one of them and, and I thought, oh, you know, this is all right. It's, it's good They've to get got to get your jacket to on. Yeah. 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 And, and he said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you were, he said, I didn't know you rode a motorbike. And so I had to, I was it. too scared yeah. to admit to this guy that I'd never, it's so I had to, and we, yeah. we ended up talking about motorbikes. <laughs> like, most of the evening, oh, really? uh, you know, and I was, Pulled some combination spurious, of petrified, yeah. but also quite, you know, infused by the lie I could get away that I was, that I was rocking. Goes and, out and went out and bought a bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case, yeah. just in case yeah. he followed up with the, uh, well, so on the flip side of that, I remember a night out, I lived in, I lived in America for a little while and, um, I met some guys in a in a bar in the, in San Diego, and went back. We were we were drinking a lot. Went back to the house, and one of them had this like amazing motorbike. And his guy's just like, "Hey, dude, come here, dummy!" And he showed me this motorbike. And then he's like, and then at one point he just went, "Hey, hey!" And he just gave me a helmet. He's went, "You want to go ride it?" And I was like. Absolutely, and I was like, "What you ride me?" He's like, "No, no, you can take it out." And I was like, "Absolutely, there is no, no way." way. This could happen. No so way. there's two times in my life where I've pretended <laughs> to be into motorbikes. <laughs> One time, no. you know, yeah. it could have gone really badly. Both yeah. times, it could have gone yeah, really absolutely. badly. Absolutely. But anyway, yeah. Was the second guy evil? Can evil? No, he, yeah. he might have been. <laughs> he was, yeah, jealousy. maybe his son. Yeah, maybe oh, his son. He well, was in no fit state, so he wanted to go out, and yeah. I was like, "No, you are not riding that bike." Yeah. And I definitely so, not and I never saw him again. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. um, so would, that, would that be the outfit we're looking at? It would be the biker jacket, which I only oh, very recently lovely. did I throw away. I, was, I kept it for like two decades. So now we're looking at a vintage jacket. That you yeah, yeah. And then I just was like, you know what? You are never going to wear this again, you <laughs> idiot. This is it. And the so it went to it went to the local mind. 
charity shop. So hopefully someone out there is is <laughs> getting, pretending to be a motorcyclist. You know, mix it with the wrong some credibility off the back of it. You know. Beautiful. Look, fingers crossed. We oh, will, uh, yeah, we'll look out for all the uh, the local papers for instance. That'd be bloody hot on the island, though, as well, wouldn't it? It would. It was black. Well, it was thick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked fucking cool, though. Well, <laughs> I, I thought it yeah. did anyway. And probably that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Exactly that. It's yeah. all in the eye of the beholder, Chris. You know that. Lovely. I'm getting a real image of what this island's looking like, and I want to be part of it. Um, let's talk about um, potential crushes that might help to uh, while away the hours. Who was yeah. who was rocking your world back in the uh, back in the north? Yeah, I struggled with this because I couldn't really think of who was around. I think I'm just going to have to go a bit obvious, and I'm going to say Beyonce. Because we're talking about celebrity crushes, right? We're not, yeah, talking yeah. About, we're not talking about real people. It here. would be weird if we actually do that and then your your missing back goes, Who the fuck's this then? Yeah, yeah. So and so yeah. Let's let's go yeah. celebrities first. Yeah, I mean he didn't have a crush on Phil's sister, but that was in the eighties, <laughs> yeah. not in the yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was, that to come out. I was eight. Was great I was eight. News. So it was fine. You ain't seen her recently. <laughs> <laughs> lost another probably gonna work out that. We lost another <laughs> I'm sure she's lovely and <laughs> so yeah I'm going yeah so Beyonce I think it's a bit obvious but you know she was pretty iconic through that period it was and I think even from like I like I really like the music I, I was really into like R&B and hip hop at that time as well I thought it was quite good and I was into sort of early Destiny's Child and you know I wasn't like I didn't have posters on my <laughs> I wasn't going to that. Uh, yeah, but if it was on the radio, I would listen to it and have enjoy a, it. Box, and, yeah. um, you know, and Bootylicious and all that. And, and I think music videos still had a, a bit more power in those days yeah. than they yeah, do now. Right. You know, they were still a thing and you'd sort of leave MTV on or what, or, or whatever for a bit. So, yeah, I think, you know, she's, she is, was an attractive a young woman and still is an, an attractive woman and, you know, she's welcome to join me and Rick on the island. Yeah, have, a, yeah. have a tour around on the motorbike. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Cracking along, Chris. Okay. Um, we go from kind of the uh, crush to more of the mortal enemy. Was there a particular celeb that really got your goat back then? We've had sort of things like Richard mm. Madeley come up and Jim Carrey's, that kind of thing. Ones that were like always. You already mentioned in your like face. a bit of uh, sort of. But not being yeah, it could be the other one. Hammond, a little bit of a yeah. I mean, I just I can't think of anyone in particular. I just really all of those people. I can't stand them. You know, Clarkson, Piers Morgan, all that lot. And I'm sure they was doing their thing just as much in oh, the noughties mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. as now. And I'm not going to go. You know, the reasons I don't like them are probably quite obvious. I you know anyone that kind of just chooses to use their power you know and their um soapbox to you know belittle other people in the name of you know serving their own ends mm. you know i just it's like why i don't know how people are still getting away with that and i think people are getting away with it even more now than they probably were 15 years ago yeah anyway because of sort of social media and how everything's sort of become a bit more tribal so I'm trying to think, who would it be? Who was the, who was the one? Who was the person like that that was that was so offensive in that period? I don't know. Let's just go for Piers Morgan. It's a shout. He represents it all, doesn't he? He really. He's the epicenter. Yeah. Um, 
and he shouldn't upset me. He shouldn't be bothering me. Yes, yeah, that all. kind of oxygen thief <laughs> that yeah. you just don't need in your life, isn't it? And um, and the world would be better without him. So I, if I, he was I like, on I like the, the island, of, yeah, you and then Rick the world would be a better place. Town on it, yeah. yeah. Just I'm not saying him. anything bad should happen to him. Oh, I I'm think I am. I'm saying he should just be on. He should just be on an island and not affecting Maybe, everyone yeah, else's na- lives. Neighbouring island. Yeah, yeah, but with even smaller, yeah, landmass. Less resources. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just, definitely just, not Beyonce. No Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce's very Imagine much. Imagine if he stole he her from Richard you. Hammond. Yeah. I tell you what, oh. he can have Richard Hammond. Oh, lovely. They can, you know, yeah. do whatever they're going to do on the island together. <laughs> that sounds reasonable. <laughs> I think I think that's a nice way out. Yeah. Okay, um, final question in that case for you, Chris, before you, we uh, we rescue you from said island, um, and it's the big one. It's the one that everyone needs to know about. It's the um, it's the pot noodle question. Right. So, so a pot noodle is going to wash up just at the edge of the island. You and you and male spot it first thing in the morning. What flavour is that pot noodle to, to really get your interest? And what boy band member are you going to have to fight to the death to secure that pot noodle? So I think flavour, I can't even remember if it was chicken and mushroom. Is there a chicken mm, and mushroom? It's the classic. Yeah, it's yeah. The classic. Yeah. I think that was probably, popular one. Classic. probably the one that I used to eat. It's been a long time. <laughs> and then boy band, I'm going to be practical. I don't want to be, like, I feel like, you know, there's been a bit of negativity with the Piers Morgan thing. Maybe we should cut him a bit of slack. Maybe he was raised badly by his parents. I don't know. So I'm not going to say someone that I dislike. I'm going to be practical and pragmatic with it. I'm going to say, who's the little one from, take that, Mark? Mark. Mark. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. going to say Mark because he's probably the one that I'd be most likely to beat in a fight, I think. I think smart. Yeah. I mean, I might, might be, be wrong. wrong. He's probably like some. Ju- <laughs> he's, he's probably like some yeah. judo expert, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah. That I don't know about. Yeah. You've seen that footage where he like, breaks a melon with his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I might be wrong, but I think that probably from. Yeah, I, and I don't even know the names of other boy bands from. From the, I think it's probably take that and yeah. who's Come. the one Harry Styles they weren't even around then were they? No, they like West Life and, yeah, yeah. and they all seem like nice, nice young men anyway. So I I wouldn't want to beat up Mark yeah. from Take That. But he seems like were, an, yeah. he seems like a nice yeah. man. <laughs> but <laughs> if I had to there, yeah. in an arena. Yeah. The only food. If we were stripped yeah, yeah. down and oil, if I then was this carrying a net and a trident, <laughs> and I love that you go with the fisherman yeah, one, yeah, and then nice. he, he would be my choice of opponent. It's a sensible, yeah. pragmatic approach, which is yeah. to your credit. Yeah, no nice. arguments with any of those. Mm. I'm quite happy. I'm, I'm loving the fact that Mr. Mayo gets on because mm. he's he was my choice for back in the nineties. It's nice to see he's carried through. Mm. He is omni. Decade the ball. Mm. That is not a word, but I'm going <laughs> to no. run with it, and hopefully um, Susie Dent is listening, and we can make that happen. Um, <laughs> any any answers we need to go no, over, gents? Like Are we happy? It's a good island, isn't it? Good. Yeah, it's a fine island. Mm. Fine island, and a sub sub island just across the way with Piers Morgan yeah. slowly wasting away, which yeah. is lovely. Yeah, I'm going to call so. the islands Basildon and Benfleet as well. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, which one are you on? Out of curiosity. I'll let you just. I'll let you just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that to a more, more to the point, which one is Morgan on? Yeah, that's, yeah, the, exactly. that's the real thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll toss that up in there. Uh, yeah. Put pop it Tracy on Island. Yeah. I think I think he might be on a tower block of a certain name. Yeah. Screw that guy. Anyway, lovely. Uh, all good answers. Uh, lovely time had by all. We'll organise that rescue immediately for you. But um, thank you for being stranded on I, Desert I, Island. Dicks. Thank you very much. It was it's lovely to be there. Lovely sunny. Shame I forgot my sun. <laughs> always looks I'm good in cinematography as well, doesn't yeah. it? It's always sunny yeah. on the island. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, we're going to push on in that case, and we're going to uh, interrogate our guest, Chris Smith, a little bit more. Um, what way should we go first, gentlemen? Should we do should we do music? Yeah, yeah. Let's do yeah. music. Let's talk mm. about your music of the noughties in that case, Chris. Um, we normally do a, a three, two, one. Would you have three albums that really stand out from the decade, or three plus a couple of also runs? Perhaps we would let you. Uh, Talk through your musical choice. Yeah, so I'm going to go for Discovery by Daft Punk as my mm-hmm. kind of. I've kind of gone a bit of. A, I've got. I've chosen a bit of a range here because I was into. I was really into electronic music, really into dance music through that period. Mm-hmm. I did also listen to a bit of hip hop, and I did also listen to a bit. And it was that time of the Strokes and all the mm-hmm. kind of New York bands. Yeah. And I was into that scene as well. And um, so yeah, from a kind of electronic point of view, it's Discovery by Daft Punk. Yeah, lovely. Hip hop album is um, Black on Both Sides by Most Def, mm. okay. which is um, I used to listen to a lot when I, I lived in the States for a year and um, was a sort of something I listened to a lot with the, the chap I lived with there, my old flatmate there, and we had we had a great year there. So does that kind of conjure back memories as well? It takes takes you back. Yeah, it definitely that, take that me time. back, and um, and it's also a great album. So if you if you've never listened to it, you. You should definitely. This should is the thing we get sort of little um, yeah. bits from people as well. Yeah, so yeah. that wouldn't be a, a, a choice of mine at is all. It, but I'll definitely have a, a is listen. Is it similar to any other hip hop bands? It's know? quite, um, yeah, no, maybe of the time, but um, it was quite sort of like politically aware. Mm. You know, it wasn't like aggressive. No. It was kind of like, um, yeah, just very sort of. Quite mellow, very jazz tinged. Yeah. Was it you know, and soulful? Arrested development. A little bit, yeah. It sort of was out. Kind of, there's still a bit of anger there, and a yeah. bit of you know, um, sort of. It's difficult to describe, really. Um, but yeah, there's definitely. It's a powerful album, but it's very soulful mm. and meditative at times, okay. and also very varied. Like every track is very different mm. every track's got its own story to tell and every okay. track's got its own thing and he it, he didn't really sort of you know he sort of got into acting and he never really released an album that was that was quite as good as this afterwards um but it's still going you know um but there, i think the hip-hop of that time there was like sort of jurassic five and yeah, pharaoh right, yeah. monk and there was a kind of um there was there was some really interesting hip-hop coming out of sort of new york and California as well and because I was living in California it kind of just felt right to be listening to it Um, and so I got really into it while I was there and went to a load of gigs and Mm. I saw like Jurassic 5 and I saw I didn't see most Def, but I saw Black Alicious as well were another really great band that I saw there so yeah I I got really into hip-hop during that period I think that that album just yeah means a lot to me cool Mm-hmm. And then, to check that out, yeah. yeah, yeah, check it out. Black on both sides, most deaf. And then, as the kind of rock guitar album, I chose Antics by Interpol. Ah, Reynolds nodding along. Yeah, yeah, so that might be, be appearing on the 2007. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a big album for me, and um, listened to a That's lot. That's my favourite Interpol album. That one. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think they did pretty well to like keep going. I think that I think their sort of subsequent albums were, were still good, um, and a lot of the bands from that era sort of fell off quite quickly. Mm. I think a lot of the those kind of big bands had like one good album, and but yeah, I think Interpol and the Strokes and like sort of LCD sound system as well, you know, managed to sort of carry on going and yeah. and making good music and that whole kind of 
you know, there was just an interesting vibe from that whole sort of New York scene as well. And I was going to a lot of music festivals around this time. So I think I saw them a couple of times in different places as well. And uh, yeah, so they're the three albums. Nice, varied. Cool. Yeah, good. Varied, happy with that. Good, good, good. Lovely stuff. Should we, uh, should we go from that to, to film? Obviously something close to your yeah. close to your heart as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so similar sort of vibe, three that really sort of sum up your feelings for that decade. And then if there's anything that's sort of bubbled under that deserves a bit of a nod, feel free. But if not, the three are more than enough. Yeah, so I've chosen Dark Knight. Which we've mm-hmm. already had a chat about, yeah. but you know, powerful stuff, great movie, absolutely. I guess you know, just that fine balance of um, sort of superhero action and like actually treating you like an adult as a viewer. <laughs> um, another one is being John Malkovich, yes. lovely stuff, lovely. yeah. Which is just was you know Spike Jones's first feature film and um, Charlie was it Charlie Kaufman's first film? Maybe it wasn't the first film he wrote, but. Um, you know, they sort of burst onto the scene with something that was just different, you know, yeah. and ultimately, I think, especially nowadays, you know, when I'm watching a film, I just want it to be a new experience, yeah. you know, and so yeah. rarely does that happen now, especially coming out of kind of Hollywood. Um, so uh, being John Malkovich was, was, was great. And I think the first time I saw that, in fact, I think I might have seen that at the cinema twice as well, actually. So... Um, Exalted company you, um, in that case, yeah. yeah. Can you sum up being John Malkovich in less than 10 words? Probably not, no. <laughs> That's yes. Yeah, almost you impossible, know. yeah. Um, I mean, what is it? It's about a puppeteer who finds a secret door that's inside the brain of Joel Malkovich. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I can. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's, but it's there's not a lot more to it. Than yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot more to there's it. There's a love story. And it. It's, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. and it's just beautifully shot and it's got some, you know, very talented... Uh, actors in there and um, you know Catherine Keener and John Cusack and Cameron Diaz playing a role that is completely different to anything she's she's done at any other mm. time and yeah it's just it's different and unique and you know I think Absolutely. it's set it created a little pathway for more films like that during that period especially kind of American independent films mm. and sort of mumblecore and stuff like that that came out from that so that was good and then the third one is Let the Right One In um, because I love sort of supernatural and horror movies and I like international film as well. So this kind of ticks those two boxes. Um, just an amazing kind of Swedish vampire mm. juvenile love mm. story mm. in eight words. Easy to sum up the yeah, genre. You know, of that but, classic yeah. genre of uh, <laughs> Swedish vampire juvenile love stories. Uh, this is the best one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, top, no, just really story. powerful, absolutely beautifully made. I um, think the final scene of that still, like, I just remember the the imagery of like at the end of it, just like freaked me out. It still stays with me to this day. What on the, in the swimming pool? Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah the swimming pool like, scene is fantastic, and and the best thing about it is it's what that scene does is it's it taps into that kind of one of the most powerful elements of cinema is about not showing you things mm. rather than showing yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's about what it Let doesn't show you yeah. that is so powerful um, and compelling and fucked up. And uh, and it does that all the way through, though. I think it's it's one of those... It's, it's, you know, it's a very unique film. And again, sort of set a load of trends off. I think those three films 
because of what they were and because they were different because they were unique kind of set off a load of different trends in filmmaking and what got commissioned and what got made and you know I think even Let the Right One In I think there's a series that just got made of it as well they did an American one didn't they Let Me In they did did Let Me In which is an American adaptation I think there's a there's a series that's 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 uh, playing at the moment Um, I don't know if it's any good or not but um, but you know there's the, the sort of smart intelligent emotional horror movies i think that that set a bit of a precedent for more films like that that have come out over the last sort of 15 20 years mm. so yeah they're the three films yeah that's good very again, like again. Cool. no quibbles with those and something yeah definitely one for me to go and check out at the very least perfect thank you very much we uh we like we like we mm. like like a lot mm. um because we're on that the theme of movies, um, there's one other task. I mean, we are task. We, we want a lot. We want a lot from our guests. Yeah, but, I um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we will uh, we will apologise after this. <laughs> but uh, did you manage to find someone that you think is a worthy uh, contestant for the Joe? Sorry, John Cazale. <laughs> yeah. I even say Joe Calzaghi or John Cazale. Yeah, Joe Challenge. Joe Cazale made rubbish films. So he did. Be easy to. He did. Um, yeah, I did. I spent about three days on IMDb researching. Going down rabbit holes. And, uh, and I finally, you know, Ooh. going, starting off, you know, my favourite actors, you know, I was thinking, oh, Gene Hackman, Michael Caine, you know, whoever, all sorts of actors. And did you I find thought, that? I thought, oh, I'll be like smart about it. Maybe it's like, maybe if it's someone like David Bowie, who's only been in a few mm. films, maybe that would be easier, mm. you know, and that didn't work out because there were just a few weird things in between his good films. And then I found it. I found it. I'm going to hit you with it. I think it's the shining cool. light that Ooh. was. I'm going to hit you. He with seems it. very. Oh, he's, what he's put out is like he's found the he's, holy grail. Yeah, he found yeah. it. He's yeah. well, I've got it. It's on my phone. And I've got the IMDb just to prove it. I've got the IMDb, <laughs> and so in nine. Oh, I can't. I haven't got my glasses on. In, <laughs> in a year, 1970 something, Steve Martin starred in the Muppet movie. Oh, yeah. oh that's a good start. And then yeah. after that, The Jerk. Lovely. Yeah. And then after that, Pennies from Heaven. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, a TV movie, which doesn't count. Right, okay. <laughs> and then after that... Already, already Phil's going... Yeah. Dead uh, Men Don't Wear Plaid. Yeah, film. Film. yeah, And then after that, The Man With Two Brains. Ooh. So, I, admittedly, mm. the Muppet movie and Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid aren't cast-iron classics. Yeah. But they are good films. But yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And But The Jerk and Pennies From Heaven and The Man With Two Brains. Beautiful. Nice. Yeah. I think. You know, um, someone else have Steve Martin, but they chose different. I films. think they went a bit later, didn't yeah, they? Oh, later, right. yeah. like Roxanne and oh right, okay, no, no, yeah, but, no, no, no. I think, yeah, I think they might have started with the Jerk or something like that. Was it? Yeah, yeah. possibly. Maybe, so, maybe. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. So you're saying it wasn't original, and I need to find another the, one. The, no, 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 no. Is that what's happening here? But they shaking shit up, Chris. They did, they did, they did different films as well. The run of is different. Absolutely, it's your individual. That's the beauty of it. It's your individual choice. Yeah, it's, so it's that was it. I, I tried, I tried, yeah. and I went through. I'm trying to think who else. Nicholas Cage had a good mm. run at some point, and there were a few other people that. You they know, get, there's a lot not that get quite. very close, no. isn't there? Yeah, it's like not four, quite. and then an absolute stinker, or. Yeah, yeah I think you're going to run out at some point. It's tricky. You know, it and, tricky. I, and I looked at you know actresses as well, and, and that actually I found even trickier. Yeah, something um, I looked at like obviously the, the obvious like um, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, yeah. she's done. Um, so many films, yeah. loads are great, but there's a loads of just yeah. bang average or ones in there. It's hard, it's 
to get that balance. Yeah, and even da- I did Dan- Daniel Day-Lewis. I thought, hey, that's got to be mm. five on the trot. But yes. they just, they're obviously all good films that he was in, but a couple that are just less. Yeah. Yeah, like The Boxer and, yeah, so oh, yeah, Steve Martin. Yeah, Steve Martin. Just one you start yeah. looking in, it's a good shot. It's, obviously, we can, we can discuss the merits of the TV movie, whether it makes it or not, because Phil is the hard taskmaster that right. you have to, no, I mean, you have to slip the teller into. It's not a movie. It's a TV movie. <laughs> I mean, got TV, it's, it's, it's There's a reason why it says that in IMDb. <laughs> yeah. It's a reason. It's, 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 it's a, a broadcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't Especially in the days color. of actual cinema. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah it never made it to a cinema, I think. You know. we, can, we can put it Put my foot down here. That's fine. I like that you're fighting We'll go with it. It'll be good. Yeah. It joins the uh, the the panther list. Yeah, we've got yeah. to do the list at some point. Don't we? We'll put them all up. We we'll keep talking about it. We we'll never do yeah, it. Yeah. Well, we have to do it at the end of the yeah, uh, yeah, end, end of the, the run series, that yeah. way. So. Yeah. But it's a good shout, and I think it definitely squeaks in. So um, yeah, two shots. Nice. Thanks. Tip yeah. of the, tip of Thanks the for not rejecting for any of my uh, suggestions. <laughs> Beautifully. <laughs> yeah, it only took me a week. To <laughs> to <laughs> I was going to say the fact that you, you you prefixed it with. I did it for three days. <laughs> yeah. That was an exaggeration. I have slept, that was an exaggeration. Going down an IMDb rabbit hole is a, is more enjoyable than uh, yeah. the most homework. <laughs> Very true. And there's no lines, even if you hadn't have done it. So we thank you for mm. doing so anyway. Um, good work. Good work indeed. Okay, um, so thank you very much, Chris. Um, this brings you to the end of your time with us. It's been an absolute delight um, talking about your work and sort of influences and sort of how you got started and so on. So um, we just want to, on behalf of the boys, thank you very much. Yeah, um, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Senor. If people wanted to, to check out your um, your work, you want to give one final plug to your, maybe the website and bits and pieces? Uh, yeah, so website is uh, citizensmith.net. And, um, yeah, I'm at C.I. Smith on sort of Twitter and Instagram. Perfect stuff. Well, um, again, gents, should we, uh, should we do, the, do the traditional get the, uh, get the camp yeah. ghost set again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gents, Chris Smith. Woo! They say that all good things must come to an end, and the same is true with podcasts. So that is your lot. Stop being greedy. Go and talk to your husband or wife, your kids, your friend, your cellmate, maybe a counsellor, whoever. It's only a few days until we release the next episode, so go and do something productive. Go on, bugger off. Love you. See you.